Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken, disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Los Calzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference. Today's episode is the first in our series about epigenetics and nutrigenomics. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice. And it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're gonna have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th, 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. This is a topic I'm super excited about, and we have some really awesome shows lined up for you. I've been considering genetic factors in creating health restoration plans since long before it became popular. And what I have found is that learning about their genetics is one of the most motivating factors in getting clients and patients to follow through on my recommendations. So today, we're going to discuss how I use genetics testing to inspire people to actually take the diet and lifestyle actions they need to take, the ones that I've mapped out to them, to modify the epigenetic factors that will keep them healthy, vibrant, and energetic in spite of their genes. And I'm going to share with you what I have found to be five of the most motivating SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms that there are. So let's just go backwards a little bit to go forwards. We'll talk about genetics 101, right? We all learned about genetics in high school and we learned about all those different experiments and recessive genes and all that. But the basics is we all have a set of genes. Every species has a set of genes. And we have 23 chromosomes, 23 pairs of chromosomes. And on each of those are many, 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 many genes. In fact, the human genome has been mapped out more recently. And I think the project actually started in the 1990s or so. And we've identified hundreds of thousands of what are called single nucleotide polymorphisms. And what those are is little variations in the genes that make you have blue eyes and me have brown eyes, that make you tall and me short, that control metabolic functions as well, that might make me more prone to insulin resistance and metabolic disorders than you and make it so I can't eat as many sugars as you can to keep my blood sugar steady and to keep my heart nice and healthy. So when we're talking to our patients and our clients about genes, and people tend to refer to genetic mutations, 
but they're really actually not mutations. There may be a few mutations, and that's more caused by DNA damage and things like that. But the variations in people, the variations in what we look like and how we behave and how our metabolic functions are happening those are all what we call single nucleotide polymorphisms. And I like to lovingly call them variations. And they really are, right? I'm not, I'm not mutant because I have brown eyes and you have blue eyes, right? But we may want to say, oh, there's a mutation that causes me to not handle blood sugar as well. No, it's a variation. But the good news is, and this is what we have to make really clear to our patients and our clients when we're working with them, is regardless of what the genes are, the most important factors are the epigenetics, what sits on top of the genes, what tells the genes whether to turn on or to turn off. And these are thankfully within our control. Those things that modify the epigenetics, those epigenetic factors have to do with our diet and lifestyle. And we can control the expression of those genes, not consciously by going, okay, I'm gonna do this, eat this, take this supplement or do this particular exercise and that's gonna turn on or off this particular gene. No, we don't have that much control. But what we do know is that a healthy diet and lifestyle, which is what we all teach our patients and clients to deal with, right? Healthy diet and lifestyle, good foods, lack of toxicity, good sleep, all those things that we know are good for people anyway. The reason, one of the reasons is that they have this positive effect on the genetic expression. I call this the genetics wow factor. When I'm speaking with clients and I've gone over some, you know, their health history and discovered they have what, an autoimmune disease or thyroid imbalance or whatever, and then we go over their genes. And when we go over their genes, it's not to say, oh, you're gonna have Parkinson's disease or wow, you're gonna be prone to Alzheimer's. It's more to help me to see what of the weaknesses they may be prone to if they don't take care of their bodies. What exposures they probably should avoid because their body doesn't have the right genetic makeup to be able to effectively and efficiently detox like various kinds of toxins, aflatoxins and uh, polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons and all the rest. And when I explain that to them, Instead of just saying, well, stop eating charbroiled meat or avoid peanuts because they're high in aflatoxin or whatever things like that, I can say, look, based on your genes, your body may not be able to handle exposure to these certain things. And it's in your best interest to minimize or avoid. And I will tell you, it's so motivating for people. Um, I'll give you an example. One of the genes that I talk to people a lot about, and I find it extremely motivated, CYP1A2, cytochrome P450-1A2. So all of the gene variations have these kind of crazy names that we don't go around memorizing. But some of these I remember because they're common and they're inspiring. And I really like to ex take time to explain to people what that means. So the CYP1A2 has a long list of toxins that it can handle, but the biggest one is toxic estrogen and caffeine, those two, toxic estrogen and caffeine. The toxic estrogen is one called 4-hydroxyestrone, and it's produced as part of the liver metabolism of the estrogen after it's been used to eliminate it. 
Now, here's the thing. CYP1A2 detoxes from about 80, 90, 95%, somewhere in that range. I've seen it vary in various studies saying one, you know, anywhere from 75 to 95%. It detoxifies the caffeine. It lets the body break down the caffeine and get rid of it. But it also detoxifies the 4-hydroxyestrone. 4-hydroxyestrone is a form of estrogen that we want the body to produce and get rid of really quickly. So the levels that we have in our body should be very, very low at any point in time because it has the ability to cause DNA damage. And we know that anything that causes DNA damage in estrogen-sensitive tissues could lead to an increased risk of breast cancer and uterine cancer and ovarian cancer. So that's what we find is that people who have more of this 4-hydroxyestrone are more prone to those sorts of cancers. Even in men, by the way, men can get breast cancer. Men don't have high levels of estrogen like women do. So the incidences of breast cancer are lower, but men do get breast cancer. So we want to protect people against these things. So when I explain to them, you know, usually I get people in and I'll say, well, you're drinking a little too much coffee. It's not good for your adrenals. It's not good for your anxiety symptoms. It's not good for, good for, and people are addicted to coffee. I'm not, I've never liked the taste of it, fortunately, but a lot of people, you're addicted to it and the caffeine keeps them addicted. They're afraid to let go of it because then they get headaches for days. It's not worth it. When I explain to them, when they have this particular SNP, I say, you know, with this particular SNP, your body can't handle that caffeine as well as it could. That particular pathway, metabolic pathway in the body is a bit compromised, but it's also when you're taking in caffeine, you divert the attention from detoxing the 4-hydroxyestrone and their eyes open up like saucers. And I said, and guess what that means? And I explained to them, it increases your risk of breast cancer. You know, I kind of give them this choice. I said, well, you know, in some cases, you're going to have to choose between your breasts and your coffee. Which do you like better? And they kind of, and I've seen people who have been struggling to get off the coffee, not wanting to get off the coffee, but they end up doing it because they don't want breast cancer. So that's a really a good example of a motivating gene. Another one I find real motivating is one called FUT2. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the long uh, name that that stands for, but basically it has to do with gut health. And it has to do with the body's ability to make certain chemicals or to express the blood type in the, the secretory t- cells, the, the mucous membranes. And what that does is gives the body the signal that if you can't express this, then it doesn't feed a bacteria that's really abundant and important in the gut called bifidobacter. And you all know about that one. So when there's an FUT2 SNP, a variation in that, it makes that person need more probiotic foods, need more bifidobacter. And I have this particular SNP. I have what's called a homozygous, which means that I got the variation from both my parents. So I'm more prone to be problematic there. And what it did was it explained to me when I saw that, I went, oh, no wonder I crave probiotic foods all the time. No wonder I just don't want one spoonful of sauerkraut. I want the whole jar. No wonder if I'm making yogurt, I want to eat the whole batch because my body's going, yes, feed me. My bifidobacter going, yes, I need that 
feed me, feed me, feed me. And so when I explain this to people who are like, yeah, I don't want to take probiotics, or they're hesitant to do it, or they're doing things that are destroying their gut bacteria, you know, eating a lot of sugar or processed foods, they really like, they, they hone in and go, oh, I think I need to do some of this stuff. So I, I really, really love having the ability to explain that to people. And that's what I'm looking to give you. Not that you're going to memorize all these SNPs, you can always look them up, but that you understand that when you go through genetic testing, you don't have to be a big expert on the genetics. Like there's nobody that's an expert on genetic testing interpretation, by the way, because it's a new science, right? We're all just learning. We're all in that infancy stage of learning. But when you understand a few of these and you know how to do a very simple uh, test and explanation for people, you can motivate them to do the things you probably were going to tell them to do anyway, right? So another one, I'll, I'll go through five of these because there's five that I've found to be most um, helpful. Another one is HLA-DQ. Now, how many of you have had the situation where you see that this person has an autoimmune condition or some gut issues or some brain fog and things like that? And you're like, I really think this person needs to go gluten-free. And then you explain to them about gluten-free and they go, oh, wow, I didn't know that applied to me because I don't get diarrhea after I eat bread. And you say, well, but these other things are related. And they go, okay. And so they try, right? The good old word try, right? They try to go gluten-free and they go gluten-free some of the time, but they're still going, but a little bit of this isn't going to hurt me, right? I've cut back a lot. I used to have bread three times a day and now I only have it three times a week, right? I'm sure you've heard that. When I show them this HLA-DQ gene, I'll explain to you what that is in a minute, that variation, they go, oh, I guess I really have to do it. So I'll give you an example. Um, basically, the, I had a client who had been, we'd been working for a long time on a lot of issues. And she was really, she was having a real hard time with changing her diet. And she would do it for a while and then she'd fall prey to the food addictions and food, do it for a while. And so I'd been telling her for years, really with your situation, you've got to go gluten-free and yeah, yeah, yeah. And she'd do it for a little while and then she'd fall off. Well, when I went through her genetics with her, and I showed her that she had this HLA-DQ gene, which is part of the immune system, histocompatibility locust antigen is what HLA stands for. And there's a bunch of them, but the, in particular, there's a couple of variations on the DQ that make a person more prone to not necessarily celiac disease, but gluten sensitivity. And so I showed her this and I said, well, this means this and this means that. She looked to me in the eye and she said, I guess you were right, I really do have to go gluten-free. Right, so it's really motivating. And another one that's kind of related to that HLA-DQ is CTLA-4, and it's related to autoimmune conditions, and it, in particular, Hashimoto's. And I don't know about you, but I see a lot of Hashimoto's in the practice. People are, it's like almost an epidemic, Hashimoto's uh, autoimmune thyroid disease. And this CTLA-4 has to do with the tendency towards Hashimoto's, also related to gluten that the gluten is going to be more of a trigger to people with the CTLA-4 genetic variation than in other people who don't have it. So the gluten is going to be more of a trigger for the autoimmune disease. And last, but definitely not least, I'm sure you've heard a lot about this particular one, is APOE. And APOE has to do with the way that the body processes fats. 
and the way that it processes saturated fats and the way that it, it handles it and a tendency towards Alzheimer's and cardiac disease. So the variation on that is the four. And there's the way that APOE works, it, it's expressed, it's actually two different SNPs and it's the combination of them will come out with your what your APOE is, your APOE status. And so when we look at the APOE, we can be a 2-2, two, two, a 2-3, two, three, a 3-3, three, three, a 3-4, three, or a 4-4. A four, four. And the ones with the, at the most risk are 4-4. Four, four. Anybody with even one 4 is at higher risk of Alzheimer's and cardiac disease because their body's not processing fat correctly, not causing it to um, leave the cells and it gets to build up and we get to have these tendencies. So if you have a client or patient with a 4-4, APOE 4-4, you really have to work with them on their fat intake. You've got to get them off of the hydrogenated oils, the excessive amounts of butter and other kinds of animal fats. And it's particularly related more to the saturated fats and the saturated animal fats, but I'm careful with a 4-4 about coconut, right? Not too much, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of this completely. Although with a 4-4, I would say they should be on like a 95% plant-based diet to avoid all those excessive animal fats. And that's gonna help to protect. And when you talk to people about Alzheimer's, in general, most people have known at least one person, probably a close family member, who's had Alzheimer's. And you see the devastation of that. You know, that you see that their memory's going. They don't recognize people. They can't finish sentences. And it's devastating. And I think people are actually more scared of Alzheimer's than they are of cancer, just because of the devastation. It's like you're still in this body that might still be relatively healthy, but your brain is gone. You don't know who you are. You're not ac able to access your memories. You're not able to recognize your loved ones and even sometimes finish a sentence. So these are the genes that I have found to be, I would highly recommend that you study these genes and you, you really learn how you can use these and other genes and how you can understand what's going on from a genetic standpoint. Like I said, you don't have to be an expert at this. I know some people do, and they really include these, these extensive genetic explanations in their practices. I don't know that you have to do go that far, but really understanding this. We have a whole module, a very extensive module in our NEPT program that is all focused on this. And we give I give a lot of examples. I have a lot of case studies where people can go through and watch me explain these things to actual live people. So it's a really helpful thing to do. We've put together a gift for you. It's at uh, reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. And that's going to have some charts and just an explanation of some of this to help you get started in this. So I highly recommend that you download that at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. So we all know, right, that there are certain behaviors that are health promoting and others that are health depleting. And when we explain these to our clients, they get it, they do, but it usually takes a little bit more than just a realization of this to inspire your clients to make the changes. And so during your initial encounter, I highly recommend that you make a strong connection, establish trust, and get your client to connect to their real why for seeking your help, to connect with their vision, what they really want for their life and for their health. And then when you explain 
you know, hey, I'd like to do some genetic testing because here's what we can find and we can really help to personalize your health improvement plan better. I can help you to know which foods might be really good for you to include, which foods might be really good for you to avoid. There are certain markers for nutrients that may say something like, oh, this person may not be absorbing specific nutrients or utilizing specific nutrients as well as there could be. They, there's genetic ones related to vitamin D. There's a VDR SNP. There's some related to vitamin B6 and vitamin B12 and folate and all of these. And when you look at those and you say, look, you really need to focus on vitamin B6 rich foods, or you really need to avoid this kind of food or that kind of food based on your genes, people's ears perk up and they're more likely to follow through. It's just totally amazing, even though I may know based on their symptoms and based on some of their other labs that they really need to focus on B6. When I show them it in their genes, it's, it's remarkably motivating and inspiring, right? People don't want to be like victims to their genes and they don't have to be. That's the beauty of it. We can teach them how to use the epigenetic factors, how to actually eat well, meditate, exercise, don't over-exercise. There's particular genes that are related to a person being more adept at, at sprint-type exercise versus endurance or vice versa. And if you put the person on the right exercise program, they're going to get the best results. Same is true of dietary things. Some people are more prone to insulin resistance and, and diabetes later on from there. And we really want to focus with those people on getting continuous glucose meters and really testing into their blood sugars and doing all the practices that help them to reduce the risk. So I love creating these plans for people. And I love creating personalized plans for people. I typically make plans that are stage one, stage two, stage three, however many stages it needs to be. So people don't get too overwhelmed. If you go out and you do some genetic testing and you do some blood chemistry and you do a bunch of functional tests and you come up with, okay, this person needs to do these 27 things in order to be healthy, you're going to overwhelm them. So using this helps you to hone in on what might be the most important things for them to start with. Again, it's optional to do genetic testing. And it's just something that adds to the benefit of what you can offer people. And you can add this as a, an extra stream to your practice. And you can offer these genetic interpretation um, programs for people that include this. And people love it right now. People are really into the genetics. So when you say, oh, we're going to do a customized uh, nutrition plan based on your genetics, people's ears perk up and they go, oh, okay, sign me up. So it could be really helpful for you to generate referrals to your practice and, you know, create an additional revenue stream, whether you're in standard medical practice and you're seeing people as part of a you know, plans that you're, you're working on or you're an insurance based, you can still add this to it and it could be an extra, you know, out of pocket type of an expense, but you can also include it as part of your regular routine and your regular work with people, especially if you're a functional medicine or a health coach or someone like that. Uh, a lot of people ask, and I'll close with this, how do we get this testing done? A lot of people ask me, well, I heard about 23andMe, everybody knows about 23andMe, but aren't they like 
in bed with Bayer and they're going to sell your information uh, to, to drug research. And I'm like, could be, right? It could be. There are now more and more of these coming out and I'm in the process of testing lots of them. So as part of this, we'll put out some, you know, hey, I've tested this one out. Here's the advantage of this and that. So we'll do some comparative uh, analysis of some of these based on what's out there now. So right now, what I'm still doing is I'm using 23andMe or I'm using something like Self-Decode to get the results. The Self-Decode is beautiful reports, but yeah, it's a little harder to get a summary report without spending hours digging into all the separate reports. Whereas when you do 23andMe and then you run it through another kinds of program that takes the raw data and creates you charts, it really helps. And, and we've created, I've created some really good uh, charts that you can use to help interpret, like summary charts. Here's all your blood sugar related, or not all of them, but a lot of the main blood sugar related SNPs. And here's the ones on digestion, and here's the ones on immune system. So we have a bunch of those. And check this show notes page for how you can get access to those. So it's really a good thing for you to learn about genetics. Even if you don't include it in your practice, you want to know something about it because people are doing it and people are learning about it. And they come in with misinformation. They come in with information like, oh, I got tested and I have an MTHFR SNP, so I'm taking, you know, 10 grams of, of methylated folate or, or um, B12 because of what showed up. And that's like a really reductionistic way to look at it. We want to look at the information we get from genetic testing to help us and put together a full holistic plan for people. So like I said, this is the first in a series of podcasts related to nutrigenomics and epigenetics. We're going to bring in some good guests and we're going to have good conversations and just make you feel comfortable with this and decide whether you want to add this to your practice or not. So download the free guide that we put together for you at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. It's packed with valuable information about genetic SNPs that you can use to inspire and motivate clients to become well. That's what we're here for, right? We want to help inspire people to do the things we know can help them get better. But we also want to use some of this to help us to get deeper with what might be going on and why a certain person might be doing everything right, but not getting the great results. So check the show notes for other resources. And I have some in-depth trainings and articles that you can access there. So the more you master the art of teaching and empowering your patients and clients to use the power of nutrition and lifestyle to optimize genetic expression, the better results you're going to get. Right? And when you have the tools and resources to empower these patients and clients to achieve their health and wellness goals, right, they're going to start referring people to you and you're going to feel fulfilled in your practice and your practice will thrive. That's what we want, right? We want to help people to get better. We want to help people overcome problems that they may have had for a long time. And this genetics testing and nutrigenomics and epigenetics modification are all part of that plan. So download the guide at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash genes. And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the Reinvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.